Welcome, everyone, to the .NET Maui podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, some Blazor, and, of course, .NET Maui. I'm Matt Sokup. <laughs> and I'm James Montemagno. <laughs> And I'm David Ortnow. Oh, now, you see, God. I really wanted to enunciate my name because after the recordings, I send it through um, Microsoft Word transcript or transcribe, and I wanted to make sure it gets my name without having to redo it. So it gets yours every single time, James. Oh, that's cool. James Montemagno. David, it always picks you up as David Work Now. Yes, so that's like true. David that's going true. to work. Yep. So, and me, it's like, it's doesn't get anywhere near my name. So it's like Matt it. Sokal. Yeah, train the pooters. But that's what I'm trying to do. So I'll be enunciating every single time to make sure I, I, I use on um, the for merge conflict and for my YouTube videos, I use Descript, which is pretty cool. And I run the I run it through that. And whenever I say .NET Maui, it says Donna Donna Maui. Like D O N, like the person Donna, like I'm saying Donna. So I got to say like dot net, you know, luckily in that tool, what's nice is you can do a control shift, like find and replace, mm. which is pretty nice. But I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, we always had the same problem with Xamarin too. It would be like yes. mm-hmm. Xamarin or something like that with this, like a salmon, Xamarin. <laughs> so so what's, what's cool with the word one, because it is Microsoft, it picks up .NET MAUI with period, N-E-T, Ooh. all capitalized, MAUI, all capitalized. So it gets wow. it. Like that's, that's built powerful. Because I was yep. going to actually just say that uh, I was doing some translation this morning for a survey that I'm running, and I wanted to get it into some some other languages. And I was noticing that the tools I was using to kind of help me out, they really get confused with the .NET part because of that period, because it seems like it's the end of a sentence or the beginning. And so I just started stripping it out when I was doing the translations, and that seemed to really really help and then i would throw it back in at the end but uh oh, nice. congrats congrats to microsoft word for getting it right yep I office like it. 365 that's amazing <laughs> I need, you showed me how to do it i need to i need to do it yeah that way give it a go see what's back and yep. forth i just have like you know, once you have your workflow set up you're like boom you're good to go just like you know I recently have been uh frank and i on the merge conflict next week so people listen to this on friday or whenever this comes out we're talking about upgrading libraries and doing stuff because mm. Frank needs to update SQLite-net, but yes, he doesn't does. really need to update it, just the dependencies. Uh, but I was updating a bunch of my libraries and I want to make sure that as people move to .NET 6 and .NET MAUI and .NET 7, which we'll talk about, that they can seamlessly migrate and update their projects and their stuff, which means you got to have all those dependencies and all those new gets updated. So if you've been following me on Twitter, I have been, it's hackathon week over here and I haven't gotten to hack on a lot, but I did write a new SQLite sample and a new SQLite documentation for the, for the docs on learn.microsoft.com. Ooh, <laughs> awesome. See what I did there? Yes. Uh, I'll put links to that new documentation, which is fun. Now, the other thing is that, you know, just like me, I've been wanting to, upgrade some of my apps and I've been waiting for this Bluetooth plugin to upgrade. And it's, it's, so, we're, we're there. We just got the green light yesterday on GitHub actions, but you know, Alan Richie is like, Hey, use my thing. Cause it's like, it's already ready. It's all stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. Alan, I don't want to re I don't want to rewrite. I don't want to rewrite. I just want to move, progress forward. I want to do as least amount of work as possible. And then 
you know, people are like, hey, I'm still using your settings plugin because you know mm-hmm. I had this app before Xamarin Essentials came out. And they want to do the least amount of work possible. <laughs> yes. So my settings application is now updated and media plugin mm-hmm. and all these other ones. The settings plugin supports 14 different platforms. Can you hmm. <laughs> There's all like that. As all the old Xamarin ones, all the new Net6 ones, uh, .NET Framework, .NET 6, all of them, they're all updated. All Every single framework I could possibly include that would compile in Azure DevOps, it's doing it. So to continue on to your list, I know there's a, like Javier has a list or Gerald has a list of like updated libraries. Like I've just been jamming on it, just keeping it going. So it's out there as we progress. And so, so we have a whole conversation on, on merge conflict upcoming about my strategy and Frank's strategy. And if we're going to only target .NET 6 or we do .NET right. 7, like what does that look like? Um, and we kind of talk in depth on that, uh, which is pretty fascinating, I would say. So it's a good convo, but all those libraries, you got to get all the libraries. That's the slow but sure. And it honestly, it only takes me like 30 minutes to do a library. So it's not bad. It's, not, yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't have to change any source code for the media plugin. I did only because I wanted to support Mac catalyst because the new platform I had to like add yeah. support it. And I just removed some features that weren't supported on Mac. Catalyst. So, thumb, that's, so that's a good start right there. Yeah. I mean, having uh, libraries available, um, like I said, we're running a survey right now and uh, asking people what their upgrade experience is and mm. what we can do best to help. And, uh, you know, some folks who don't have a lot of dependencies, they have pretty smooth sailing because they don't have to rewrite their XAML or anything like that, really. Just a couple of touch-up things, a few things that change. But where things really come down to uh, some things that are outside of many developers' control is, you know, SQLite or whatever the third-party dependency is. Um, Something I did actually just see is that Friday, the uh, Azure AD msal.net shipped. publicly their support for .NET MAUI. <laughs> so that's exciting. It had been in preview for a while. And I saw from Samir uh, via email actually today that uh, Friday it went out. Cool. So more and more of those coming every week. Uh, I, I've been, I was searching the uh, NuGet feeds and GitHub over the weekend as well. And uh, some pretty exciting things just in general are out there. So if you can't find the library that you need, maybe there's an alternative. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was also, I was doing the Learn, well, Matt and I were doing the Learn Live series, which is going to pick up again in October, at the end of October. And a lot of people had a lot of questions about like, oh, can I do this thing? Um, you know, this control or access this API. And uh, one was talking about secure storage or whatever. I said, yeah, you know, there's an API, but like also like you can just write the source code, like it's just there, you know? (laughs) So that's one sort of thing that we were kind of talking about is like, don't forget that that the APIs are available uh, for you to actually, you know, put out there. So that's another thing I think we're, as we continue this story and update the documentation, you'll sort of see that go a little bit more, I think, of talking about, yeah, don't forget all those API, iOS and API, Android APIs are there, right? So be good to go. Absolutely. Shouldn't uh, be more than just a couple keystrokes away, really. But, you know, that's part of uh, getting our documentation uh, more fully written out and samples for all of these sorts of things so that people can kind of see that in action. Um, and hopefully fall in love with it like we have. It's yeah. great. So we've got some new releases out. Are we ready to talk about this? I'm ready. 
Let's do it. Uh, so two two big releases for Maui. Uh, we have a .NET 6 service release 5 that went out. Um, typically, when we service release, we don't uh, do big blog posts about that. So you can kind of see that by checking the NuGet feeds for the manifest updates or uh, going to uh, our releases on the Maui repo. Um, so dozens of uh, quality bug fixes and things like that in there, as well as uh, some version bumps for dependencies like Skia Sharp and uh, Tizen and some of those things. But the bigger news, uh, we have a .NET 7 release candidate 1 for .NET MAUI. This is really cool. And this is the first time uh, that MAUI developers are seeing uh, the, the upcoming release in .NET 7. Um, so to recap kind of what this looks like and what you'll be able to do in here, even more bug fixes than you got there in the service releases that we've been shipping all along the way with .NET 6. Um, really the big uh, thing for mobile developers is Maps is now uh, joining the fun. And actually the Maps packages, you probably will find them for .NET 6 and .NET 7. Um, both of them uh, should be published or were being published, but we're talking about it as part of our .NET 7 scope of work. Um, it does also support Mac Catalyst. So on Mac, you can actually see maps as well. Um, and it's all the same, you know, annotation features and things like that, that Xamarin developers are familiar with, dropping pins, custom pins, drawing polygons. And, you know, so you can build your Strava clone or your whatever your fitness app clone Ooh, is. That's cool. Um, yeah, some of the coolest things I've seen done with maps is like, you know, hey, an, an app is doing something agricultural related, right? And so you have different plots of acres of property and you're farming this over here and that over there. And uh, you can basically do a ton of uh, a, a geo mapping across it and monitoring your soil, uh, whatever, you know, really interesting scientific stuff that goes way over my head. But it looks really cool when you roll it into an iPad app or something. Um, so the one, uh, interesting thing about maps is the WinUI toolkit does not yet have native maps. Um, it is something that is on their future roadmap, um, but it's not there today. So if you look at the community toolkit, you can see both an open issue with a proposal for enabling a, a Windows map, as well as a pull request that includes the code you would need to enable the handler for a map on Windows. And the way in which uh, this was done is using a, a browser. Um, so it uses a web view and then loads up, uh, uh, I think it's Bing Maps or it could be something else. I actually not not remembering, but um, that's kind of just a stopgap. And then when Windows or WinUI uh, does release a native map, we can then add that in the box for .NET MAUI. So I think right now, if you only bring in .NET MAUI and then you run on Windows, uh, you'll either get a warning message or you'll get a, a gray box. Um, so that's great news for mobile developers. And that actually came up in the survey as well. We need our maps. Need to be able to upgrade our apps from Xamarin. And we have a map. Uh, the the rest of the big features uh, in uh, .NET 7 for us, and you know, I say they're big features, really the big bulk of the work is quality improvements across the board, bug fixes. But there are some new things in here based on what we were hearing from customers using MAUI over the past six to eight months. And those are around desktop. 
So when you're building desktop apps, you often have need for context menus, for tool tips, for right-click gestures, for hover, um, and, and also for being able to easily control the size of the window and position the window. Matter of fact, I was recently talking to a customer who's building a desktop app with Maui, and they said, we have a minimum size requirement. How do we constrain to make sure the user can't go below a certain size? And uh, I was, you know, thankfully we were able to tell them .NET 7, it's super easy for you. You can now have a minimum width, minimum height, and you set that value and it will constrain your window. Same thing with maximum uh, width and height, as well as, you know, your X and Y positions, et cetera. So um, all in all, it's going to be a pretty good release there for, for those desktop features and for everybody, because we're continuing that, that march towards, you know, uh, stability, quality, making sure that everybody is uh, super happy with achieving whatever they need to do with .NET MAUI. Performance is looking really good. App size is looking really good. Really no, uh, if anything, it's a little bit faster, a little bit smaller. Um, it hasn't regressed, which is something that we're always watching out for as we're slamming new things into the box. Um, slamming makes it sound like it's a... Uh, <laughs> we're not making sausage here. We're making software. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the the gist on that. Um you know, with uh, having .NET 7 side-by-side side with .NET 6 on your box, we did a lot of work, or I say we, the, the engineering team did a lot of work. I just sat back and watched the messages go past me. But um, essentially, you know, with Visual Studio, you can install, you know, versions side-by-side. Side. You can have the stable version and the preview version, right? I mean, we all do that on Windows for sure. Um, some of us have five or six installs going. Um, when it comes to .NET and then .NET Preview installs, uh, it's the newest one that wins, right? Like by default. And then you can do some things like a global, global.json where you constrain that directory to a particular version of .NET that's installed on your machine. Well, what we've done, uh, what the team did for .NET 7 is made sure they uh, allowed essentially a multi-targeting type scenario where you can still load up a project and solution that is .NET 6, even though .NET 7 is your default install, and it will build that, compile it, and run it as a .NET 6 app, no problem. Um, and then you can also file new in the same directory a .NET 7 application, and it will build and run with .NET 7 just fine. So you don't really have to worry about, um, you know, which version of .NET, which TFM am I using? Um, so that will hopefully help a lot of people out and make this a smooth kind of, you know, transition from six to seven. If you do want to upgrade your apps from six to seven, because I can see on your faces on the video, you're, you're asking. How do I, Dave, how do I upgrade from 6 to 7? Dave, how do I update? Because I have a lot of .NET 6, .NET MAUI applications. Yeah. How do I do it? Because you know from, from uh, .NET Framework to .NET 6 for Xamarin, not quite so smooth, right? You got, you got some work to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, we, we have work. So 6 to 7, actually, super easy. All you do is you go into your CS proj. You change the 6 to a 7 everywhere you have a target framework. And then you, uh, I recommend, delete your bin OBJ folders out of your directory. Close that Visual Studio. Reopen the Visual Studio to make sure it restores the dependencies from a clean state. And then, you, and then run it. And uh, most cases, it'll just work. 
um, which is the kind of upgrade we're looking for, right? That's the future that you're going to get when you get on the .NET MAUI. I want to say train, but I feel like it needs to be a boat. On the wave. On the wave. It needs to be a a cruise ship. Yeah, it is a wave, isn't it? (laughs) So I did this yesterday. Uh, I updated everything, and everything was working pretty great. Now, I... Um, we have a Maui samples repo and I had an issue on my end where I, you had a JSON, a global JSON that specified to use stuff. I deleted it and then everything seemed to work just fine. So I don't understand global JSONs as much as I should. And I was talking to Frank about this too. And he's like, oh, that should work. I don't know. But like, I don't know, P- pretty much what I've done and what seems to be working fine is if I create a new .NET 7 project, it works. If I create a new .NET 6 project, it works. Um, now, that's because I have both .NET 6 and .NET 7 installed on my machine, so that should continue to work overall uh, in general. So, But um, I think what we'll end up doing for those MAUI samples is, do you think we'll duplicate those into the .NET 7 folder and then update all the TFMs? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I thought about that too. Uh, I really don't like the idea of having to maintain multiple versions of the same sample and yeah. keeping them all working. Um so I don't know if like the seven should just kind of build on top of the six. Cause like you can still build all the six samples with um, only seven installed. Yeah. You should be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the, you know, I don't know. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, we need your feedback. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what to do. Uh, I don't know what would be, you know, the most useful. I, maybe, you know, we just nuke the six, bring everything from six to seven. And then, like, I just don't want to have to maintain multiple versions of all the samples. That was kind of the headache because Xamarin, we had so many samples. We had the Android yeah. samples, the iOS samples, the forum samples, and there were hundreds of projects hundreds. And that just yeah. became a real burden to maintain and keep everything updated with each release. Um, we definitely want to be able to use all of these samples to validate all of our releases as we build that, you know, build that repository up. But yeah, I don't have a good answer for it. Uh, love to know what listeners think, what, what the community thinks and you too, James and Matt. <laughs> Indeed. How about a warning tag that says this sample is no longer being maintained? Just well, but it let, is it being maintained. The, let it go <laughs> to pasture. I don't know. I think, I think the upgrade everything to seven. That's my. I, I like the idea of. I like the idea of things like 6.0 is like the base. Like if it works anywhere, it's here. I don't know. It's something we really got to figure out. We can always reorganize it. Like the idea was, hey, these samples work here. But if you go to the Blazor samples, they have like, hey, here's 10 samples. And like they duplicate it and like that's it. But I think I like the idea, like if you actually go to the Maui samples, we'll put a link to this in the... In, into the into the document. Basically, it's github.com slash .net slash Maui dash samples. Very simple, straightforward, love it. And there's also Blazor and Blazor samples. So what's cool is like I was I was just messing around. I had just done the SQLite dash net sample and the 6.0 because that's what we're on because I started it on Monday and then everything came out on Tuesday. But I wouldn't put it in the 7.0 because I just created a 6.0 app. But what I like is if you go in there, you know, David has updated samples where it's just like, and here's the map sample, right? And here's the, um, in fundamentals, here's a context menu and a tooltip. So like, here's new stuff added in .NET 7, but everything from .NET 6 still works. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that you can see what's in seven by looking at the folder structure, but it does have, you know, other complications. So I, I think we may want to consider some alternative, uh, organizational methods. I mean, yeah. we could always do like a readme index that, uh, which we already have an index in there, but we could, we could utilize that to kind of say, here are the things that are introduced in seven. Um, I don't know that we actually have see, this is the thing, right? This is our first foray into going from a major version to a major version. Yeah. So there are workload things to figure out. There is the .NET runtime and side-by-side multi-target thing that I just described that had to be worked out. Um, we're, we're uh, definitely covering some new territory in a lot of spaces, and this is just one of them. I kind of feel like if we rename the folder six from 6.0 to like core, I don't know, it doesn't need to be core, but like this is the, this is the base, you know, like this is the base of, of .ML. Like everything in this folder applies. And oh, here's the seven features. Here's the eight features. Here's the nine features. Cause ideally it's all in there and it's all good to go. The question is like, do we want to, <laughs> target or do we yeah. say hey we're going to move everything to donet 7 like hey here's yeah here's a donet 7 folder which is feature specific to donet folder but hey to donet 7 but here's animations where we just update all the tfms in one go yeah so maybe like stable and preview we can use terminology like that and so preview is the upcoming release and then once it becomes stable those things could fall back into the stable <laughs> folder that that'll create some link and SEO problems, but yeah, um, those are solvable. Yeah, um, something to think about. Let us know. Go over to that GitHub repo and give us some feedback on how you'd want that organized, basically. That'd be yeah. good. Would love it. But uh, yeah, so far, uh, feedback on the on the release seems fairly positive. There have been some workload hiccups. Um, and so uh, if you find, it, hopefully, by the time people hear this, it's all resolved. Like the engineering yeah. team knows what the issue was with the workload install update situation. If you had a brand new clean machine, everything was great, but we don't all go out and buy new machines every time a new release comes out. So um if you found that you were getting some bizarre message about, uh, you know, iOS and Catalyst workloads not being there, even though the TFMs recognize something, something um, that has been resolved, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, things are building right now as we're recording. Um, those usually take, you know, the better part of a day for validation and code signing and testing and everything. And then we'll push them out to NuGet um, and everybody will have them. But yeah, other than that, um, People seem pretty receptive to the features, which makes sense since uh, the features are there because people ask for it. Awesome. I love it. Now, this is available in command line, but also Visual Studio 2022 17.4 Preview 2.1. One. Correct. On both Windows and Mac, by the way, Boom. which I think may have gone under the radar for some folks. Um, so, hey, we just shipped both Windows and Mac on the same day. Boom. I love Celebrate it. it. Celebrate it. So go check that out. And there's a bunch of stuff inside of 17.4 Preview 2 that's all in there. So not only do you get, 
you know, all this goodness, there's actually a new rollback feature. So if you do need to roll back for some reason, you can do that. Multiple Git repositories. There's a bunch of new enhancements to the test explorer, a bunch of stuff for C++ developers, uh, ARM64 support. They, I think they added Node. I think we're still working on uh, iOS, Android, Mac, and Windows for ARM64 development on, a, yes. on an ARM64 machine. Right, right. Down yep. the road, yeah. Um, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming at some point. All sorts of good stuff. Oh, they have built-in markdown support as well. So there's a preview feature. You can just turn that on so you see it side by side, which is rad. And they have a bunch of new data table stable like visualizers, and they got all sorts of good stuff. You know, Visual Studio is always updating all sorts of good stuff. So just go check it out. Go install the it. The big one go for me it. there is the inline name variable refactoring. You know how mm. when you change a variable name, you get like that window that pops up way up top. Mm. Now it actually changes. You can change the name of a variable right in code. You know, like you don't have to, I don't know, you don't have to jump your eyeballs around on the screen. It's actually changed a variable. Name. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, I've been it so focused. <laughs> yeah, it does. I've been so focused on SDK things that I was completely unaware of that whole list of things you just rattled off. I'm super excited <laughs> now. Um, it, it, like the rollback thing. I, I, need to, I need to know more about that. Uh, markdown mm-hmm. preview. In, what? I saw yeah. that just before, James, when we were doing the Learn Live, you had the markdown yeah. in your Visual Studio. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> I didn't say that, oh. but I was like, yeah. Like, let's, Magic. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one of the cool, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. I was, uh, what else did I do in there? Ooh, I got access to a new feature. Um, you, have to, you have to sign up for it, uh, but I got access to it. It's called... Where is it at? Enable port tunneling for web apps. This is a super cool feature, Visual Studio on Windows. What this does is, and you let's say you debug a web API, you know, you're on localhost. Right? Now, that's fine if you're on Android, but not really because there's certs and then HTTP versus HTTPS. It's kind of always been a pain. We have documentation that outlines it. But what if you want to test that on your iOS device? What if you plug your iOS device into your Windows machine and use hot restart? You can't talk to localhost. But you can port tunnel. So when you hit debug on a web API, what it does is it will register a publicly available you have to turn it on this feature in in your in your deployment script obviously. But when you debug, it will give you a publicly accessible URL for your web API, your website, or whatever you want, which means back in your .MAUI app, you can update the URL that you're calling to be that URL. So your iOS app that's running just locally in debug mode can speak to your local host through this port tunnel. And if you add a breakpoint into your web API, when you hit that get monkeys on your phone, it hits the breakpoint in Visual Studio because it's still running on your machine. It's, it's bananas. It's amazing. It's so cool. That's a game changer. There are like, honestly, like a hundred different features in the, in the preview features and visual studio on windows. So like, you know, all sorts of stuff. Give it a, give it a look. What else do we got? Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's progress. Matt, what do we got going on? Cause you and I have been doing a whole bunch of stuff together. Mm-hmm. Well, we had that whole cloud skills. Well, let's start with the learn lives, James, because that's still ongoing. We did what three of them. We just got our three third one done. We're not halfway through because there are seven of them. But mm. we are taking a quick break till the end of October because Ignite's starting up here, so pretty soon. So that's going to take on learn. What is it? What is it called? Learn TV now. 
learn tracking TV. I forget what Whatever training it TV. It doesn't matter. We're taking the point is we're taking off till end of October, but you can go check out. I'll put the link here in the show notes. But James and I go over each of the .NET Maui Learn modules in depth, where we talk about every single point made in there. We talk about those points over and over again. We really turn them out. And then we go over some uh, code and we actually type it out and we make it better as we go too. And we explain every point along. So we got three done. I'll put the link to all three shows that we have done so far. The first one's really just an introduction to .NET MAUI on the whole. And then we brought into some XAML, what XAML is and how you build your UIs with XAML. And today we got into layouts, stack layouts and grid layouts as well, just kind of exploring everything with that. And I'm not even sure what we get into next. I can't remember what module number four is about offhand. Oh, resources, like uh, making the apps pretty, um, styling and stuff like that, I believe is the next one. So it's super cool. We have three done. You can catch up on them. Each are an hour and a half. And then afterwards, for a half hour, James and I jump into a Teams chat and you can ask us anything you want, either about the module that you just saw or any other thing that happens across your mind. So yeah. And the cool thing about learn live though, is that we have a moderator on the background, either Katie or John is usually back there answering questions and they do get passed up to us as well. Um, as we go along. So yeah, learn live keeps on chugging around along and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and we're end of October is when we kick back up, but three of them are there already. And Going along with that, since we're covering all of the .NET MAUI Learn modules, we had a cloud skills challenge with that as well, where people, if you registered for it, completed all seven .NET MAUI Learn modules, James would be sending you a sticker pack. You had to do it by September 30th. But guess what? It's over. It was only, it really, it was only good 500? for the first 500 people, and we have it. 500 oh people have completed Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. 550 when I just checked. How many people have signed up to do it? I mean, that's that's 500 people that completed all seven, seven. challenges. Oh, my gosh. Yep. How many people signed up to do it so far? Like <laughs> a, a billion. No. I think two thousand. No, I, I was pretty impressed. That was pretty good. Still should do it. You have till the end of September to finish it off, but... You're not going to get a sticker pack any longer, (laughs) unfortunately. Yeah. You can still do it, though. We had 500 (laughs) go-getters who got up and got. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, pretty pretty neat stuff there. Um, Oh, another thing that I really like is now this is an extension to Visual Studio, so it's not new with uh, the latest previews of Visual Studio. But Mads put together something called Rainbow Braces. Just installed it. I just installed it. I'm just so excited. It? Yep. I'm sorry, two so, machines. I just installed. I'm so excited. Now, David, you're probably old. Did, David, did you have braces when you were a kid at all? Yeah. Did I have braces? Yes, I had braces. My dad's a dentist. So, okay. yeah. so you I'll probably had the, uh, with the little rubber bands around it, braces that had to be turned in and turned yeah, off. Or yeah. Replaced. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
Rainbow braces? I don't know. That's really reminded me of the little rubber bands. Or anyways, these are brace matching where you get different colors for your braces. So if you have a bunch of like a for loop and you have if statements inside the for loops and all that other stuff, your braces are going to be matched. So you don't actually have to like line your cursor up and then hmm. move your cursor up to see where <laughs> things are color coordinated. Um, Does it have just, a cuddling preference? <laughs> Everybody gets hugs. Everybody, Everybody gets, gets hugs. hugs? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really neat. And um, yeah, so go go uninstall. It's called Rainbow Braces and Extension. We'll put a link to the um, marketplace for it, uh, where you can actually go and just right away install. And another extension that I'm super excited about is for Bicep um, Infrastructure as Code. So we had a Bicep extension for Visual Studio Code. Forever. Wasn't in Visual Studio, though. Hmm. It is now. So what Bicep does is it allows you to create infrastructure as code. So essentially JSON files to create your Azure resources with. And as opposed to ARM templates, which are very verbose and hard to remember, Biceps are very slimmed down, easier to do. And the support that we have in Visual Studio through this extension gives you like IntelliSense and um, lets you know when you did an error. The IntelliSense is very nice because it pops up and says, all right, you're doing a SQL database. Well, here are your options that can go along with it and everything like that. So totally cool. I'll put the uh, Marketplace link in for it as well. And... Yeah, Bicep and Visual Studio. So check in your Azure resource creation right into your source control. And also, if you want to see some Azure Bicep files in action, our good friend Marcus Felling from the Playwright team actually just did a pull request to the Donut Podcast apps to convert our ARM templates into Bicep files mm. as well. So you can see the kind of the before and after there going through all the implementation, which has been fun. So... Kind of cool seeing that out there and seeing how it goes. Yeah. Much nicer. Yeah. Much more understandable and slimmer. I like them. Pretty neat. Cool. So, I guess we're talking Azure. Should we keep on talking Azure? David, you Azure, cool with that? Azure, so much Azure. Ooh, I, I, I helped with this blog. Can I talk about this one? Yeah, you talk about the blog. Oh, Melanie Quinn fantastic human being, the main PMs of Azure Functions, which I'm one of the biggest fans in the entire world of. I love Web API, but I love Azure Functions maybe even more because Azure Functions are these on-demand, scalable, goodness, input, outputs, just pure joy, bliss. I understand it. They have a new mode. It's called isolated mode, which enables them to ship um, support for newer versions of .NET even faster. And it also gives sort of this common startup class. So if you're coming from ASP.NET Core or .NET MAUI, this startup, dependency injection, all that stuff works um, with this, which is cool. And alongside Azure Web Apps and Azure you know, app service that's already, um, that's a, that announced support for .NET 7, Azure Functions just su- announced support for .NET 7 as well. Well, so this is really cool because not only can you use um, Azure Functions with this new isolated worker model that is talked about, um, but it's integrated into Visual Studio 2022. Guess what version? 17.4 preview. So you can go in, create it, launch it, publish it, do all this stuff, um, which is really, really neat. Uh, and uh, not too long ago, I had some of the PMs and engineers on one of the on.net shows to talk about this V4 model. That's the same model 
uh, that's used in um, .NET 7 and .NET 6. So you can kind of see that coming up. But it's a great blog post if you want to upgrade and do stuff. And if you have an existing .NET 6 one, you can easily now upgrade to .NET 7, which is really cool. Yeah, no reason not to go with .NET 7 functions. Like you said, going isolated pretty much insulates you from the underlying functions runtime so you can do really whatever you want and whatever you need to do. So it mm-hmm. kind of removes any dependencies that you had. Um, another cool thing that just happened last Thursday, as I talk about this, but it'd be, well, I guess last Thursday when the podcast comes out too. Anyways, <laughs> I did a little thing on Azure Cosmos DB TV about integrating a .NET MAUI app to use Azure Cosmos DB. Ooh. So we just went through it, introduced um, what .NET MAUI is, because a lot of folks on who tune in to Azure Cosmos DB TV are not .NET MAUI developers. So we introduced them to the great world of .NET MAUI development. But then Mark Brown and I, Mark Brown is a uh, PM over on the uh, Azure Cosmos team, went through and uh, talked some best practices about calling over to Cosmos from a .NET MAUI application and things that we can do to improve performance and so on. So it was actually kind of neat building up a .NET MAUI app to um, call Cosmos in the best way possible, except we did hard code the connection string in, which you should never, ever do. But it was a demo, and we called it out that you should never, (laughs) ever, ever do that. (laughs) And I did recycle, the regenerate the keys right after the show. So my Cosmos is safe. There you go. Good. Yeah. So check it out, though. Yeah, really interesting to hear how we can perform even better with uh, .NET MAUI and Cosmos nice. together. Nice. And uh, we'll do a quick Azure Service of the Month. And this kind of builds upon Azure Functions. James, your favorite thing. And mm-hmm. Web APIs. Well, you know what, though, is really cool about these? Web APIs, which runs on App Service. Azure Functions runs on App Service. And now this, Azure Container Apps, is really all part of the whole Microsoft Compute Azure ecosystem. And so what I like to think about Azure Container Apps as being is like Azure Functions, but for containers. And so what's nice there is you make your app, put it into a container, deploy it up to Azure Container Apps, and then it will respond to various things. Like say you can actually build a web app itself with the whole front end and everything and it'll respond to it. But if not being pinged, it will scale down to zero, to nothing. So it's like it has this whole serverless model of containers in Azure. But there's more to it. It's built on top of a Kubernetes. So you get like the whole Kubernetes infrastructure behind it, but you don't need to know anything about Kubernetes to be able to use all the infrastructure and everything. I don't know anything about it. Kubernetes. Yeah, that is neither. for sure. <laughs> I know you have Kubernetes and they abbreviate it K8. And I had no idea for the longest time that those two were the same thing. No clue. They I are. thought K8 was its own like separate product. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. I don't know anything. But, yeah. It, what's even nicer or even better, I don't know, super cool though with uh, <laughs> container apps, is that it's great support for if you want to build up microservices. So you think of you have a container app environment and then you put individual container apps within it. You can have many microservices in there and they can communicate within each other, but not be available to the outside world to communicate with. And it's just by on clicking a checkbox and that works. So you kind of turn off public ingress to them and then you can dapperize them. Uh, Dapper, which is, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's something. 
It's uh, I can't remember what the app stands for, but what it does is this sidecar architecture thing, meaning this executable that sits along with your app that adds things to it, such as like PubSub um, communication mechanisms, um, so it can communicate to different between the app itself. It does state management that you can add into uh, your app as well. All easily, you don't have to. So with the PubSub, you just turn on Dapper. Turn on um, in, in your uh, code, download the NuGet, put it on, and all of a sudden you put in, let's say, service bus on the background, and it just works. So when I say just works, you're just kind of declaratively um, enabling service bus or whatever type of other um, service or messaging that you want to push out. So Dapper is kind of built in from the get-go, so you're not actually having to do it yourself other than using the SDK in your code. But yeah, it's nice. uh, gives you a lot of stuff, I guess for a low amount of work. So, and I think that that actually brings me to my pick on my pod because All right. I'm just going to go back to the down at podcast app because we've been, updating it. A bunch of engineers and PMs have been working on it. Now, we don't have .NET 7 support in there yet for .NET MAUI, but we totally will. That'll be on the roadmap here pretty soon. Flip a few TFMs and we're done. That's what David said. We all we have to do is boom. And I can't wait because the desktop support should be really cool to like actually right-click on stuff and do stuff. David's going to get in there and make it all pretty. Um, and uh, what's cool is that a bunch of things have happened. There's been some uh, those are powered by Azure Container App. So you can see how that works, where it scales out our worker services and our web APIs and our website and stuff like that. But additionally, um, Marcus also not only added those bicep files, but also added Playwright tests for the website, which is pretty cool. Um, the Blazor app that's in there. And then additionally, another cool part of the story, even though this is done in my podcast, is that there's an entire... Uh, Power Apps demo in there for like a little approval process powered by the same APIs that are powering the .NET MAUI and the website applications. So it's really, really cool to be able to see the the Power Apps um, come in line with like ProDev, low-code, API, has Orleans, it has distributed systems, it has container apps. And it's still a it's still an application where I think if you get it, if you download it, I think that it's not crazy, crazy architecture where it's like, oh, I got to figure out all these things. It's like, here's still an API. Okay, this API, when it's deployed, is just running inside of Azure Container Apps. But to me, it's just a web API. I don't need to know anything about Docker. I don't need to, I don't need to know anything. I can just run it locally. And it's just talking to SQL Server and all this stuff. But it has all these things in there. So it's really kind of cool. Um, and, and what this does is it exposes um, the it exposes the API through APIM, which is API management. So it can talk to power apps because you're already authenticated. The next thing we want to do is actually work on a Teams app integration as well. So you can like do stuff, talk to that same API and you can build Teams app with Blazor, right? So you can actually get .NET kind of everywhere, talking to everything and doing all the things. So it's a really cool sample. I think it's really, really neat to kind of show the hybrid, the native, all the different stuff that's in there. So give it a look. I'm really into it. Um, if you haven't looked at it yet, definitely give it a go. That's my pick of the pod. My dogs are freaking out right now. Sorry. All right. They're like, whoa, that's so cool, James. They, yeah, they heard you. They got really excited. And also mom's home. So. Shut it.
Keep that in the podcast. Uh, no, that's awesome. I, I recommend the podcast to folks all the time to see something that's a, a real world, you know, application that has a back end and talks to services and persists data and does authentication and all that sort of thing. So that's great. My pick of the pod would be the uh, the newly released publicly available uh, Azure Active Directory msal.net package on NuGet. Um, I think that a lot of people have been waiting for that to be out of preview and uh, full, you know fully ready to go with updated samples for Android and iOS especially. So I mm, cool. uh, hope, hope that uh, everyone loves it. And if uh, you have any issues with it whatsoever, file them. Samir's all over it. We want to make sure that's successful for you. Cool. And Dapper stands for Distributed Application Runtime. I looked it up. I knew it was kind of weird where you had the A and a P where application, it doesn't matter, distributed application runtime. My pick of the pod, though, is another distributed framework, Orleans. Microsoft mm. Orleans. I'm just learning all about it. I don't know tons about it, but what it can do is it helps you like persist and manage data across different application stores, and but it hides all the implementation details from you. It's was a Microsoft Garage project, I think, all.net, and you can code distributed. It's actor-based, and you can code everything as if you were single-threaded. So, yeah, it has, like, built-in fault tolerance and all that other stuff to help you scale real nicely. I'm still learning about it, though, so I can't give you any more about it other than what I've just been picked up. There's two learn modules on it. That you can go check out, though. I'll put the yeah. Put them in the notes. And it's it's so. in the podcast app, by the way, too, because nice. previously, so Brady, uh, who does a bunch of Orleans stuff, was like, "Hey, I want to like implement Orleans in this thing," and I was like, "Okay, well, let's like do something that you know makes sense, right? Let's let's make sure that it makes sense." And what we were doing for the listen together mode is we would um, basically like on the web API it would it would look at the stores and then it would manage all of the, the, the open rooms via a database because it had to cross over different, you know, services, but with Orleans, it can share that state across the different services. So it's managing the rooms and all the connections and things like that. So it's actually really cool. Um, I also don't know how it works and Brady didn't tell me, so I need to go figure it out. (laughs) I also installed the rainbow, um, stuff. This is so cool. You, everyone needs this in their life. It's, it's really neat. So go, go get it. Rainbow braces. It's, it's fantastic. It just makes me very happy all of a sudden to look at curly braces and open and close brackets. Um, this is very, very nice. I think they need to extend this to the XAML though, as well. XAML needs a lot of more colors in it, in my opinion, yeah. but anyways, I think it's going to do it for this week's podcast, this month's podcast, whatever year it is. Let us know. Go over to the .NET Maui podcast.com website. There's a contact button. I think, is there a contact button? .NET Maui podcast.com. Uh, there's not a contact us button, but you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, at James Montemagno, at Code Mill Matt, at David Ort now. You can click on the host David and we have a thing. So. David, David work working now. now. That's his alter ego. Um, Yeah, you can go there. Embracing it. Yeah, go at embracing it. Mm, I see what you did there with the braces. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right, let's just end this thing now. All right, we'll see everyone next month. Have a good one. Bye bye. See ya.